0: Hey, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 44 of a Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan, the Mr. October episode. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Monday, folks, beginning of the week, beginning of a big week in sports. Hope you're having a good one out there. I'm in a good mood today. I'm recording this on Sunday. I just watched the Yankees finish off the sweep of the Detroit Tigers. I'm getting ready for the Knicks game tonight. We're going to recap all of that for you in Brian's Beloved and get you ready for a huge, huge week for the Yankees and a big road trip for the Knicks. I can't wait to talk about all that, folks. Brian's Beloved is going to be awesome. It's going to primarily focus on the Yankees and the Knicks at this point, folks. I... The Ranger season is over, let's be honest, it, it's done. I'm going to be saying that a lot in this episode, so get used to it. The Ranger season is done. Uh, it's over, so we're not going to talk about them as much, but we will briefly touch on them. Uh, we'll talk about the Giants draft a little bit too, and NYC FC getting a win as well this weekend, so a uh, pretty good weekend for Brian's beloved, all things considered. Um, we also have the outro for you guys today. We have a loaded outro, typically loaded outro for you guys. A lot happened in the world of sports today. Uh, We had soccer storm the capital moment today uh, in Manchester. Uh, I can't wait to talk about that. I have have quotes from my dad on that that I can't wait to read. Um, It's going to be great. Uh, Plus the Aaron Rodgers rumors. A couple other stories as well. Plus picks to click. The games you should be watching. I think you know what games I think you should be watching this week in baseball. But when it comes to the other sports, I'll give you games to watch for the NBA and the uh, NHL as well. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. It's going to be a great episode. I hope you had a great weekend. I had a great weekend. Like I said, I am recording this on Sunday right after the Yankees finished off the sweep against the Tigers. So uh, I'm I'm raring to go to talk about that. I had a great morning this morning. Um, I posted this to my my uh, personal Facebook page, but I have been quietly working on like a passion project, I'd call it. Like, or uh, I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but. I've been combining. For those of you who don't know, I am a huge transportation nerd. Like I am obsessed with public transportation, trains, any any way of getting around. I am. It's it's always fascinated me. I don't know why. Ever since I was a little kid, when I was a young when I was a young lad, <laughs> to put it that way, when I was a young boy, um, I memorized the New York subway system map. Like by the time I was like five. And I just have always loved trains. And being in D.C., I've gotten to know the D.C. metro now. Having lived here for four years, I've gotten to know it very well. And so I've been working on this project. Uh, I went from every metro station on the red line, uh, which is the line that I live closest to. I live in Silver Spring, and the red line goes through there. So uh, I I went through every station on the red line. I took a picture of the pylon. Uh, at that station, I think I've mentioned this in past episodes that I, I do take Metro Pylon pictures, but this is the first actual line that I've completed. This morning, I woke up and um, I went for a walk. Um, I did my usual like laps, and then I went for another walk uh, towards uh, the Wheaton area of Silver Spring, and I was just like, "Just keep going, man! You're the only station you're missing from completing the Red Line uh, Bingo, the Red Line Bingo, as I call it." Is Glenmont, so why don't you just keep walking? And that's I was like, that's what I did. Now, I don't want to make this sound like it's some kind of inspirational thing, but telling yourself to keep going works, folks. Like, just if you're struggling, just like keep tell yourself, keep going. Like I, I and I did, and I'm really glad I did. And um, it was a great walk this morning. I finally completed Red Line Bingo. Go to my, my uh, Instagram page, at bbryan1991, to check my, uh, my post. Instagram wouldn't let me post all 27 stops on the Metro, so I had to choose 10 that I really like. So go check out those pictures on my uh, private, my personal Instagram page. I also posted all 27 photos to my uh, personal Facebook page, Brian Brennan. If you want to see them, let me know. I'll post them to the official Pond for the review with Brian Brennan Facebook page as well. Uh, it's just like it just combines two of my favorite things in the world: public transportation, the metro, subways, things like that, and walking. And I I did this over the course of a few months, and I'm really glad I did it. And I, I'm working on um a few other lines as well. Um, I I have pretty much the I have a lot of the green line done as well. Even though um, shout out to Alan Mars, he commented on my uh, Instagram post when I posted all the pictures. Of these pylons, he commented um, that the red line is the worst uh, metro line. I strongly disagree with Alan. I love the red line. The red line goes all over. And plus, it's the closest one to me. So that's why I am biased towards the red line. But I personally think the green line is the worst. I, I think the green line sucks. The green line always has delays, goes through bad parts of town. The green line sucks. But uh, <laughs> shout out to the red line. I love the red line. I've completed it now. I've got all 27 stops. Um, nah, I'm, the Green Line goes to Nationals Park. It's not that bad. It goes to the arena in Chinatown, too. I guess the Green... And it goes to Petworth, Columbia Heights, U Street. All right. Maybe maybe I'm a little harsh on the Green Line. Maybe I'm a little harsh on the Green Line. But I I will stand up for the Red Line as long as I live in the DMV area. I think the Red Line is great. So, uh, if you want to check out my photos of the Red Line on the Metro, uh, go check out my personal Facebook page, Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Um... Uh, yeah, uh, that's pretty much it for this intro. Uh, I, like I said, I, I love walking. I love Metro. And um, I might try and start incorporating this now that the cat's out of the bag that I am obsessed with public transportation. Maybe I'll start combining. Maybe I'll start putting a little bit of that on the show. Uh, may, who knows? But anyway, uh, let's talk about some other things I love. The Yankees and the Knicks. In today's edition of Brian's Beloved, we're going to recap this series against Detroit. A clean sweep. The Yankees won all three games. Relative ease, honestly, against a very bad Tigers team. And now they have a huge series coming up this week against the Astros. Emphasis on the ass on that one. And uh, then they play the Nationals this weekend as well. Big weekend, big week at the stadium. Knicks, they play the Rockets tonight. I'm on going to be honest, I'm recording this intro before that game, but I will record the Knicks segment after that game tonight. I'm going to stay up late and record the Knicks segment then and um, we'll also preview the rest of the road trip after the game tonight against the Rockets. The Knicks play tomorrow, or, well, tonight when you'll be listening to this episode, uh, they play the Grizzlies. We'll preview that game. We'll also preview the Denver game and maybe a little bit of the rest of the road trip as well. And um, yeah, I can't wait to talk about all that, folks. Stay tuned for Brian's Beloved. Let's get into today's Brian's Beloved. Here we go. Folks, it is time for today's edition of Brian's Beloved, where we talk about my favorite teams and how they did this weekend. Uh, usually, I know the last couple of episodes, we've been starting with the Knicks, and uh, it's worked. You know, the Knicks have been playing great. The Yankees had a, had, has had some wins lately as well. So having the Knicks in the leadoff spot has worked great, but honestly, I, I, I think this week is bigger for the Yankees, and I, I think I need to talk about them first, honestly. I really do. I, I, sorry to the Knicks. We'll talk about you guys a little bit later. Uh, I can't wait to talk about your game tonight against the Rockets. But um, we got to talk about the Yankees first, who just completed a three-game sweep of the Detroit Tigers. Now, I know the Detroit Tigers are a very bad baseball team, folks. Arguably the worst team in the American League. But you know what? I'll take this. You're supposed to beat teams like the Tigers. Like, you, if You're much, much better than the Detroit Tigers. You should go out there and sweep this series, and that's exactly what the Yankees did. Now, honestly, I'm still frustrated they didn't sweep the Orioles series last week. They're much better than these teams. They're like, they are much better than the Orioles and the Tigers, and they proved it this weekend with a dominant, dominant effort against the Tigers, an easy three-game sweep. So uh, great pitching throughout, too. We'll talk about all that. And well, let's start with the Friday game. Uh, a lot of highlights in the Friday game. They won 10 nothing Easy route of the Tigers. Not, uh, and I had a feeling going into this game that it would be an easy route of the Tigers. Because, first off, Cole was pitching. It was Cole day. So, I, of course, anytime Cole's pitching, you're like, of course they have a chance. So, um, Cole went out there and, um, I mean, obviously, like I said, weak hitting, bad Tigers team. But Cole did his usual thing against these guys. Um, I think he would have pitched longer if it was a more meaningful game, honestly. But uh, let's let's give it up for Cole before I get to the offense in this one. Uh, six innings pitched, only four hits allowed. No walks, no runs allowed. And 12 strikeouts for the best pitcher in the American League. Garrett Cole! Great night for Cole. Uh, dominating effort once again. Like I said, he probably would have pitched... Even longer, if, if this was more, if this was an important game for the Yankees. But uh, I just, I had to start off with Cole. To me, honestly, even with what Judge did with the bat in this game and what the team did by hitting all those home runs, I still consider Cole the star of the game in this. Well, maybe not, because Judge did have a very nice night. But I, you know, I love pitching. You know, I love good pitching. You know, I love Garrett Cole. And uh, I just had to shout him out before I get to the offense offensive performance in this one. So let's get to the run scoring breakdown. They scored a run off Scooball in the first inning. Geo hit an RBI single to make it 1-0. And then in the bottom of the second, the Homer parade started. Clint Frazier, who obviously has been struggling a lot this season. Um, and he had some defensive struggles I'll mention in the Saturday game as well. But uh, Clint Frazier did hit a line drive home run into the left field seats a bullet from red thunder uh shout also one other cool story about Clint Frazier from this game you know who was at this game like sitting front row Ryan Reynolds was at this game Deadpool was at this game and Clint Frazier gave him his hat and signed it and he posted it to Instagram so Ryan Reynolds Deadpool gave a shout out to red thunder on Instagram go check it out he also called, like, I love Ryan Reynolds, so I was really excited to see that. And I bet Clint Frazier was really stoked about that, too. Um, so, anyway, that home run from Fraser that made it 2 0. The Homer show continued in the bottom of the third inning. Aaron Judge hit a home run to dead center field off the, well, it used to be the black. Now it's the Mohegan Sun Sports Bar, or whatever the hell it's called now. <laughs> Straight to dead center field, that made it 3 uh, 0. Hicks hit a home run into the left field seats. He did a nice little bat flip as well. I mean, he might want to chill out on those bat flips, he's still really struggling this year, but um, Hicks did have a nice little bat flip on that home run, that made it 4-0, and then the next inning, Yankees load the bases, Judge comes up, and boom, opposite field, grand slam, into the seat, second deck too, by the way, opposite field, into the second deck from Judge, to have that kind of opposite field power is very impressive, and Let's remember something, too, about Judge. There was a lot of skepticism about him going into this game, folks. Remember, he sat out the last two games of the Baltimore series. He did pinch hit at the game I was at with Matt Brandoni. Struck out. But um, he basically was out for those last two games. And he was dealing with the soreness from all the travel that Tim Clark and I spoke about in the last episode. Judge went out there and proved it in this game with a, two home runs. One bomb to dead center field, and an opposite field grand slam into the second deck to make it 8-0 Yankees in the bottom of the fourth inning. Second grand slam of the season for the Yankees, John Carlos Stanton hit the first. Speaking of John Carlos Stanton, that guy is on fire right now. He had three hits in this game in five uh, at-bats, including two of the hardest hit balls you'll ever see. He didn't really... I don't think he drove in any runs. Did Stanton drive in any runs? Uh... No, he didn't, but he got three hits. So I just want to shout out Stanton uh, because when he got that double in the first inning of this game, I tweeted, uh, Stanton with an eight-game hitting streak. Where are you at, haters? Where are you at? Stanton's on fire right now. That was his third straight game with three or more hits. I saw a tweet. I can't remember who said it on Yankees Twitter, but uh, could you imagine if, like, Judge and Stanton had a Mantle and Maris-type home run derby? (laughs) And, uh, of course, everybody replied with, oh, they got to stay healthy for that. Yeah. Let's just enjoy this while they're that. Both of them are are crushing it right now. So anyway, uh, the scoring was not done for the Yankees. Rugnet, or, sorry, Aaron Hicks uh, drove in another run uh, on an RBI double that made it nine nothing. Um, I can't. I think it was like a little blooper double. I, I, whatever. Anyway, it was nine nothing. Who cares? And the homer show finally concluded with Rugnet O'Dor hitting a line drive into the second deck. Uh, he also had a nice little bat drop as well. Uh, that was Odor's fourth home run as a Yankee, uh, and a great night offensively for this team. Uh, uh, just five home runs, one from Fraser, two from Judge, one from Hicks, one from Odor. Yankees win this game very easily, and obviously after it, I felt very good about the rest of this this game, this series, honestly. Uh, Sessa, Peralta, Litke all pitched clean innings to close it out uh 10 nothing what more can you say yankees crushed it in this game easy win uh the saturday game was a little more stressful but honestly not really Um, judge again was great with the bat Um, the lineup let's i want to talk about the lineup a little bit going into this one so i mentioned how hot stanton was he came into that game on an eight game hitting streak they sat him down I was like, what the? I was like, I posted on Instagram, this team confuses the shit out of me sometimes. I was like, is Stanton hurt? Why would you sit him down when he's on fire the way he is? But Boone was like, oh, it's a scheduled day off. I'm like, are you kidding? It's May 1st, and we're already giving guys scheduled days off. Uh, it's just, I'm tired of, like, I want to watch Stanton play. Like, we've, we've been waiting for this unlocked beast that Stanton's been these last couple of games and you're not you're gonna sit him down come on uh Gio Urshela was also out of the lineup in this game uh so it was a weird lineup it was LeMayhue Judge Odor hitting third Glaber Torres Mike Ford Hicks Sanchez Frazier and Gardner the game started very weirdly honestly uh a fly ball was, I just want, no runs scored because of this, so I don't even know why I'm mentioning it, but I tweeted about this too, the first batter of the game hits Robbie Grossman, Robbie Gross's evil twin, as I call him, uh, he had a fly ball to right field, and Frazier started to come in, then he went out, and then just straight up drops the ball, and I tweeted, Frazier is a butcher in right field, but, um, I don't know how he was a gold glove finalist, honestly, last year, the way he plays the outfield. He just looks lost out there sometimes. So I don't, I don't know, but um, no, they got lucky. No runs scored. Um, I'll start with the pitching again. I guess Tyone went out there and pitched pretty well. Um, probably his best start as Yankee again, bad hitting tiger's team, but five innings pitched, three hits, only one run allowed. He gave up a home run and uh, he walked three struck out eight Um Good start for Tyone. I mean, we've been waiting for starts like this from Tyone and from what we got today from Corey Kluber, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, this is you know, this is exactly what we've been waiting for, honestly, from the starting pitchers for the Yankees. Uh, I was really happy Jamison Tyone got the win in this one. It was his first win in exactly two years. His last win came on May 1st, 2019, before he had to get shut down for the Tommy John surgery. So shout out to Jamo, man. Jamison Tyone was, I'll salute, congratulations on your first Yankee win. Uh, No home runs in this game for this team, and I love that, man. I kind of like it when they don't hit home runs and they win the game. I kind of do, honestly, because everybody always talks about how this team is all home run or nothing. So I kind of like it when they go out there and shove it and score without hitting a home run. They got three RBIs from Judge, who, like I said, on fire. Three hits and five at-bats in this game. Just two line drive bullet doubles uh, to drive in three runs as well. Judge was great. Torres, Glaber Torres, also got three RBIs in this game, including, uh, I'll give you the exact scoring summary uh, here of the whole game here. Glaber had, a, uh, had an RBI single in the bottom of the third. I remember this because I said, out. Le- I remember Glaber was up and uh, Yankees had uh, runners on first and, uh, and second. And I said, uh, how have we not scored yet out loud? I said, how have we not scored a run yet? It's the bottom of the third. This is Detroit. Detroit is garbage. How have we not scored a run yet? And I swear, microseconds after I, I said that, Glaber Torres hits an RBI single to right field to score the first run of the game. Speak it into existence, folks. It'll happen. Uh, Tigers tied it in the top of the first. Jaimer Candelario hit a home run. Uh, that made it 1-1, but um, I mentioned it. Judge, uh, uh, he uh, broke the tie in the bottom of the fifth inning with a, a line drive gap and in, bl- double into the gap. That scored DJ. That made it 2-1 Yankees. And then in the bottom of the sixth inning, Judge, I think, broke it open with a, a base hit uh, to right field. That scored two runs. The Yankees, if I remember correctly, were having trouble scoring that inning, so Judge's, I believe it was a two-out single from Aaron Judge. I'm looking at the, the highlight right now. Uh, yes, it was a two-out single. They did have the bases loaded with nobody out, and they were struggling to score him. But um, thankfully, Judge came through, like I said, on fire uh, right now, crushing it. Him and Stanton are absolutely crushing it. And then uh, Glaber got, drove two more in with a two-run um, two single to make it 6-1. Detroit got uh, some garbage time runs, I'll say. I never really felt like the game was in doubt. Um, they, they got a two-run single from Jonathan Scope, the former Oriole. Uh, that made it 6-3 in the top of the seventh, and then Nico Goodrum hit a home run into the second deck off Chad Green in the top of the eighth inning to six, make it 6-4. Honestly, I wasn't concerned, folks. You know why? Because the Yankees have the Cuban Missile in the back of the bullpen. A rolled as fucking Chapman. I mean that guy is unstoppable right now. We'll talk about his stats in a second, but that guy is on a mission this season. Chapman has been unstoppable to start this season. He struck out two more in this save appearance to pick up his fifth save of the year. Ball game over. Yankees win 6-4 against the Tigers. Sorry to swear, folks, I didn't mean to swear there, but honestly, Chapman, I Chapman just gets me hyped, man. Like because when he comes in, it, it's game over. He's a lock right now. He is so, so good, easily the most dominant reliever in baseball. I'll update the stats for you after the next game we recap. But after this game, Aroldis Chapman had pitched in nine games. He pitched 27 innings. and he had, or, he'd paid, or he'd, I'm sorry, he had been in nine games. He'd faced 27 batters and struck out 22 of them. And after the next game, just I'm trying to do it in my head. That's 10 appearances, 24 strikeouts in in 30 batters. This guy's unstoppable right now, folks. Easily the most dominant reliever in all of Major League Baseball right now. It's not even close. Um, Chapman is a freak. I and it's all because he added a new pitch. I was talking about this with Pat Honan, the first of uh, several Pat Honan shoutouts that I believe will be coming up in this episode. Um, we were talking about um, how Chapman added the splitter, and it's just made a huge difference. It makes him even better than he was. He was already good, but now that he's added that splitter, he is just a freak out on the mound. So I just had to, I, just, I mean, all Yankee Twitter was talking about this, so I just had to give it a mention. Again, Jamison Tyone was great. His first Yankee win, his first win in two years exactly. Uh, A great night, a great day at the stadium. Yankees win 6-4 to clinch the series win against this bad Tigers team. And then today, uh, the game that just ended a few minutes ago, uh, they won 2-0. Corey Kluber, man. We'll start with Kluber. He was great. Two hits allowed, eight innings of work, only one walk, and struck out 10. His ERA, I remember before this start, it was 4.15, now it's 3.03. Kluber went out and shoved it today, folks. His best start as a Yankee. Even better than the one he was one he had the other day against the Orioles. I mean, it was outstanding. He was so good. Yankees, only, there's really not a lot to talk about when it comes to this game. It was a very fast game. It was only a 2-hour and 14-minute game. My kind of game, folks, I'm... Already recording my podcast at 3.50 in the afternoon right now because of this game ending. I thought that game wouldn't end until 4.30 or so. This game's already been over for like a half hour now. It's only 3.50. It was a really fast-moving game. Uh, I think like the last 18 or so Yankees were retired in this game. They did not have much offense. They scored two runs in the top of the second inning, and that was it. Again, they won another game without hitting a home run. So I kind of like that too. Uh, Kyle Higashioka, what more can we say about Higgy, guys? I love Higgy. I think the fact, I am aboard the Higgy train. Dad, if you're listening, I'm all in. I'm all in on this Higgy train now. It's clear, because he's hitting better than Gary. The pitchers love throwing to him. I am all aboard the Higgy train at this point. He drove in another run here with an RBI double, bullet line drive into the corner. That made it 1-0. Geo scored. Uh and then Brett Gardner he hit a sack fly. Um now I got to give a shout out to Robbie Gross's evil twin, Robbie Grossman, uh, cuz he made a very nice play on the sacrifice fly. Uh Michael K was like the way Michael K was describing it off the bat, it looked like he was, he was doing his usual on the track at the wall thing, but um it landed just just short of the warning track and but Grossman made a a hell of a catch like kind of lunging towards it. So I will give him credit. Uh he saved a couple. I think he saved another run there. Um the run did come in to score to make it 2-0. Hicks came across. There was really not a whole lot of hitting for the Yankees in this game. They only got three hits. But uh that was enough. Cause Kluber was so good. And like I said, this Tigers team cannot hit at all. I mean they are so bad. Uh no extra base hits in this game, just two singles from uh Candelario and Jacoby Jones. Uh, an easy win. this was a cruise game, a get right series for the Yankees that they absolutely needed. I am absolutely fired up, um, even though Detroit is very bad, so, like I said, Kluber eight innings, only two hits allowed, ten strikeouts. Chapman comes in once again, usual dominant self uh Michael Kay was talking about this on the uh broadcast uh and David Cohen is, was also talking mentioned it a little bit too it 's almost shocking. When somebody actually gets the ball in play against Chapman at this point. The first batter of the, um, of the, top, of the, of the top of the ninth inning, it was Robbie's evil twin again, Robbie Grossman. Uh, he hit a fly ball to dead center field, and everybody seemed surprised. like Somebody made contact off of Chapman. <laughs> it, was, it was almost shocking. But then um, normal, uh, normal service was resumed. Uh, the next two batters struck out to end it. Ball game over. Yankees win. Two to nothing in this one. Uh, Gleyber Torres had the day off. Uh, like I said, just that's pretty much how it's going to be at this point, guys. Just get days off. Um, some good news in Yankee land lately. Uh, it looks like Luke Voigt is on his way back as well. Um, it sounds like he's going to be ready by the time uh the May 11th series rolls around against the Tampa Bay Rays at Tropicana Field, that would be great. Hope to have Luke Voigt back in the lineup. I still think this team desperately needs him. No disrespect to Mike Ford, but I Luke Voigt is a much better player. So uh, looking forward to having Luke Voigt back in the lineup. Yeah, a lot of good vibes about this uh go about this win. Um and about this series win. Um very easy. Um expected, I would say. Um i'll I'll take it, I will absolutely take uh, a series sweep against the Detroit Tigers, and that ladies and gentlemen, leads us into this week's games, bang bang, motherfuckers i'm so- I keep swearing, but I am so hyped up for this series. I am so ready to go for the Astros series. It's only Sunday, and I just wish it was Tuesday night already. I wish it was Tuesday night at the stadium. I can't wait. This is the most excited I have been for a Yankees regular season series in a very, very, very long time. I can't wait, folks. And like I said in past episodes, I am going to the Thursday game, and wait till you hear the pitching matchup of the game. I'm going to. Oh, my God. This series is going to be amazing, folks. This is good versus evil, in my opinion. I know a lot of people think the Yankees are evil. The Astros are legitimately evil. They stole the World Series from us. They have what's ours. This is war. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into the pitching matchups for these games against the cheating scumbag Astros. The first game of the series is at 7 o'clock on Tuesday against, uh, well, you know who it's against. <laughs> it's at 7 o'clock. It's at the stadium. Domingo Herman will be on the hill for the Yankees against Zach, Zach Grinke. Uh, Zach Grinky is 2-1 this year with a 3.44 ERA. Um, that's the game on Tuesday. The game on Wednesday is uh, Jordan Montgomery coming off the start where I saw him at Camden Yards against the Orioles. He's going up against El Garcia. I don't know who that is for the Orioles. I don't care. I hate uh, the Astros. I don't know why I said the, the Orioles. I don't care. I hate the Astros. I hope he loses. I hope he gets beat ba- very badly. He's 0-3 with a 2.70 ERA. And then Thursday, the game I am going to at Yankee Stadium. I can't wait, folks. I have been waiting since the day. Garrett Cole signed to watch him pitch for the Yankees in person. And on Thursday, I will finally get that chance as he takes on Lance McCullers at one o'clock at the stadium. Yes, I am going to Cole Day and I can't wait. When I found out Cole was pitching this game, I was at uh, Michael Edgley's house last night and I was talking to Matt Frandoni about how excited I was for the series. And he started, he's like, what game are you going to? And I'm like, I'm going to the 1 o'clock game. And he looks on the ESPN, um, or he was on the Bleacher Report app. And he said, uh, oh, Cole's pitching that game. I was like, uh, what? Uh, uh, I almost had a heart attack. I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, what did you just say? And he's like, yeah, according to Bleacher Report, Cole's pitching that game. And uh, Michael, and, Mike, and Tim were there. They can tell you I damn near had a stroke when I found out I was going to Cold Day. I this is one of the most ex- I Ah, I'm so excited! I'm so excited for this game. This is one of the most excited I have ever been for going to a Yankee game ever. I, I I'm I feel sorry for my dad. He's gonna have to deal with this all day. He's going with me. He's gonna deal with me booing the Astros. He's gonna deal with me cheering on Cole. It's gonna be. I'm sorry in advance, Dad. This is gonna be a hell of a day. I'm gonna have a hell of a day at the stadium on Thursday. It's gonna be wild. I can't wait. You can hear it in my voice. I can't wait. Ugh. this series is gonna be amazing. I'm literally shaking right now talking about this series. I am so excited for the Astros. To come to the stadium so we can potentially beat them, win two out of three. Please win two out of three. What kind of season are these cheating losers having? They're 15 and 12. They're 15 and 12. So they've gotten off to a decent start. Yankees are 14 and 14 after this get-right series against the Tigers. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, win two out of three. I know Zach Grinke is a pretty good pitcher. Um, he was not on the 2017, if I, 2017 cheating team, if I'm not mistaken. So I won't be too harsh on Zach Grinke, even though he's a little bit of a weird guy. But uh, I will say, I encourage... I'm going to say this during Picks to Click. I'm going to be saying this a lot, folks. I encourage you to watch this series. This is going to be awesome. There's going to be a lot of bad blood. The fans... This, look, there's only 10,000 people out at the stadium right now. I wish it was full capacity. I really do. I wish it was full capacity for this. Could you imagine Yankee Stadium at full capacity for the Astros Coming to town. It would be... um, I couldn't imagine it in my wildest dreams. Uh, It would be crazy. But only 10,000 people or so allowed into the stadium for these games. Uh, It's still going to be loud. People are still going to be loud. Apparently, I heard today, AJ Hinch, he's the manager of the Tigers. He was the manager of that 2017 cheating team. He got booed pretty harshly at the stadium today from what I heard. I can't imagine what it's going to be like for Altuve... I can't imagine what it's going to be like for Correa. I, I, you know, I can't imagine what it's going to be like for those guys. There's going to be a lot of trash can jokes. I'm sure the whole, everybody, this is, uh, this, is going to, this is going to be amazing. I am so excited for this, and hopefully the Yankees go out there and kick some ass. That's what I'm rooting for more than anything. They have what's ours. I have been waiting for this night since Jose Altuve hit that Aroldis-Chapman pitch into the Houston night in 2019. I have been waiting for this series. And what's come out since then, thank you to The Athletic for discovering all of it. You guys are the best. And John Boy for exposing it even more. I love you all for that. I hate the Astros, and I hope the Yankees... A dream scenario would be a sweep, but you know what? Two out of three would be great, too. I'll, I'll just... I know the Astros, even though they are cheaters, are a very good team. <laughs> and so, um, two out of three. Let's take two out of three, Yankees. Let's, let's hope for that. <sighs> it's hard to calm down a little bit and talk about what's after that, honestly. But I do want to mention what does come after the Astros series. Um, it's our, so, just give me a second to compose myself. Whew. Whew. After the Astros series... The Yankees play the Washington Nationals. Uh, I described this week uh, when Tim Clark was on in the last episode as 2019 World Series week at Yankee Stadium, and uh, I stand by that. I mean, these are the two teams that play in the 2019 World Series, and of course, on behalf of all Yankee fans, we still thank the Washington Nationals for beating the Astros in the 2019 World Series. Uh, that's why I went to your parade. I thank you for that. Um, but anyway <laughs> that series uh, is next weekend it's basically this week is basically brian versus sports on, this is basically a for further review with brian brennan versus sports on the hill this week because we've got two rangers versus capitals games even though they don't mean anything for the rangers really um and we've got yankees versus nationals this weekend at the stadium so i'm looking forward to that unfortunately i won't be able to watch the friday game because i'm going to a mets game Yes, I'm going to a Mets game. Leith is the only person I would go to a Mets game for. I would like to make that very clear. Okay, there's two people I would go to a Mets game for. Leith and Pat Stein. Those are the only two people I would go to a Mets game for. And this is Leith's birthday present, so I'm going to the Mets game with Leith. And I'm really looking forward to it. Um, But unfortunately, I will miss that Friday game (laughs) against the Nationals at the stadium. Um, maybe that's good. Maybe I'm going to need a day to recover after that Astros series, but we'll preview the national series a little bit more in depth. And of course we'll recap the Astros series. Um, on Friday's episode, I'll be in New York. So I'll be recording that live from my parents' place. I can't wait. I can't wait to be back in New York. This is going to be a great week. Even though it's a Mets game, I can't wait to go to another baseball game. Um, and, um, anyway, um, that's pretty much it. Uh, that's pretty much it. Happy birthday, Leaf. I guess uh, I'm, I'm going to a Mets game, folks. Yeah, I'll report back on that. I'll let you know what my experience was like at City Field for sure. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's pretty much it for the Yankees segment, folks. This is a big week. The Astros are coming to town. <sighs> we swept the Tigers. I, I I'm I'm ready to go. Just get me to Tuesday night already, folks. I. Cannot believe they. Uh, why is there an off day? Why is there an off day? I wish there wasn't an off day so bad. I just want the series to start so bad on Tuesday. Um, that pretty much does it for the Yankees segment, folks. Let's talk about the Knicks game. <laughs> I'm stumbling over my word. I'm still so fired up about this Astro series, folks. This is raw emotion here. Anyway, uh, let's get into the Knicks game against the Houston Rockets. All right, folks. The Knicks game is finally over they just had arguably their easiest win of the season to start the six game road trip against the Houston Rockets they won 122 to 97 An easy 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 25 point victory tonight just a dominating effort by our boys tonight I'm gonna break all of it down but as usual folks it's the next part of Brian's beloved you know how we're starting it here we go <coughs> Song never gets old, folks. Especially after a win. Just sounds so good. We need to do a remix for this song. It's 2021. The Knicks are on fire this year, right? I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I know a lot of teams do playoff anthems and stuff like that. I think we need an updated version of Go New York, Go New York, Go for the 2021 playoffs. I mean I mean we're we're all so proud of this team. Somebody, I don't know who did the original version of that song in 1994. We need to update that song for the 2021 version. Uh we with it for this team, guys. Easy stuff tonight for the Knicks folks. I mentioned how stressful this road trip is going to be. Uh, I'm going to keep this Knicks segment short uh cuz this game was just this was the only game they played. Um This weekend, uh, they had a long layoff between the Bulls game on Wednesday and now the Rockets game tonight. It it was a long gap in between games. And, you know, I feel like they kind of needed it to prepare for this road trip. This road trip is going to be tough. And um, no better way to start it than in Houston. I mean, I, I knew it going into this game. I knew how bad they were. I didn't realize how, I mean, just how terrible this Rockets team is. I mean they have literally I mean Christian Wood is okay, I guess. And I know Kevin Porter scored 50 points the other night against the Bucks. But man, this team is not good. As uh to quote uh Michael Edgley's gonna love this, to quote Anthony Fantano, this Houston Rockets team, it's not good. <laughs> man, um easy stuff tonight for our boys. Uh it started out early in the first quarter, they built a 10-point lead. They, had, they were up 34-24 after the end of the first quarter uh and then they had a 15 point lead at halftime uh they they went they scored 25 in the second uh, honestly in the third quarter uh they did slow down a little bit uh, just just a little honestly they just took their foot off the gas a little bit um but Julie, like I, I at one point Houston cut it to like an 11 point lead i think the closest Houston got was 9 at 1 point but uh, Julius Randle, as he's done all season, folks, put the team on his back. MVP, Julius, once again in that third quarter, showed up in a big way. I know he had got got 10 really quick points in that quarter. I'm actually watching, uh, like I said, this game literally just ended. I'm watching Julius get interviewed right now by Clyde and uh, Dave, I can't remember his name. This guy, it's not Mike, But Mike Breen was out tonight. And it wasn't Kenny Albert either. It was some like, like, ed davis or someone like that or cohen it was ed cohen it was ed cohen um i've never heard of this guy he's commentating with walt clyde frazier that goes to show you how how much the knicks thought of this game they put like the c team commentator on with walt clyde frazier they knew the knicks were gonna destroy the rockets tonight and in the fourth in the fourth quarter honestly the knicks just emptied their bench and just uh they just rested all their guys to get ready for the rest of this road trip. The rest of this road trip is much more important than this game. This is easily the least important game of the road trip, honestly. Uh, every other game is much more, much bigger than this one. I'm much looking, looking forward to those games much more than this one. I couldn't wait for this game to be over. I love watching the Knicks play. I love watching this particular Knicks team play. But uh, I knew they were going to blow them out. This Rockets team sucks. Let's go over the box score uh, for our Knicks in this one. Uh, Who else would be the leading scorer? Julius Randle. And he basically only played three quarters in this game. The Knicks rested him basically the entire fourth quarter. He scored 31 points. Once again, another great night for Julius Randle. Seven rebounds, six assists in just 30 minutes. Julius Randle, 31 points in 30 minutes. Ah, chef's kiss, my man. He was getting MVP chance in Houston, Knicks fans travel well. Knicks, fan, Knicks Nation, folks, they're all over the place. There was a strong representation. You could hear them tonight in the crowd in Houston. They were live, and they were chanting MVP for our MVP, Mr. Julius Randle. You, you gotta wonder, like, I know we're obviously biased Knicks fans, so, I mean, we watch Julius Randle every night, but I do wonder what... National media people think about Julius Randle as an MVP candidate. I, I mean, personally, I don't think I don't think he's going to win, obviously, but um, I do wonder what if people take his candidacy seriously nationally because this MVP race it's so wide open this year. I mean, I guess right now uh, by default Nikola Jokic would be the favorite uh, for MVP, but I mean Ju- what, what Julius is doing. I mean, compared to where we were last year. Julius has put this team on his back. I mean, Julius Randle is just doing such a great job with this team. He is the leader. He is the heart and soul of this team. Julius Randle is our MVP, and he showed it once again tonight with a great night. Like I said, 31 points. Uh, As far as the other starters go, RJ Barrett had 21 points. I did the MSG Predictor app again. I was two points off on RJ Barrett. I said he would score 23. 21 also had seven rebounds five assists in 40 minutes of work light work for rj he just keeps getting better and better you know folks uh you guys know i'm a part of nick's facebook Um, i would say you know here's how my social media for sports goes i would say i'm a big part of yankees twitter but i'm a big part of nick's facebook as well and nick's facebook can be a weird place sometimes i mean people post some really dumb shit in nick's facebook honestly um I, I remember last week, somebody was like, why can't we criticize RJ? He was the number three pick in the draft. Michael Jordan was the number three pick in the draft, and he wasn't immune to criticism. So why do we have to be soft on RJ? Look, RJ Barrett, you're, look. any criticism of RJ Barrett is ridiculous, honestly. That kid is going to be great, as far as I'm concerned. He keeps getting better and better every game. I I would say this isn't even R.J. Barrett's breakout season. I think his third season, next year, is going to be R.J. Barrett's breakout season. I think he's only going to get better and better and better, folks. And I hope one day he is, obviously, he's not going to be Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's the GOAT. But um, if he can be remembered as a great number three pick of all time. There have been great number three picks. All time. He could be remembered as one of those guys if he keeps the trajectories going. I know he struggled his rookie year, but his has been very, very nice this season. I love R.J. Barrett. I have said that many times on this podcast, and I will say it until the cows come home, folks. I know I say that a lot, too, but uh, I, love, I love R.J. Barrett. Uh, Reggie Black, 11 points in this game. Three of six from three. Three rebounds, three assists uh, out of the starting lineup. Derek Rose. Another big night. Alfred Payton only played 14 minutes despite starting, and D. Rose did the rest of the work, honestly. He, in 31 minutes, had 24 points. That was awesome. Derek Rose is just off the bench for this team. It's so good. What an addition to this team Derek Rose has been. I'm so happy we got him from the Pistons, folks. I am very happy Derek Rose is on this team. He just brings so much to this team. He's just one of the guys, and they all love him, and they're happy to have him. As part of this team. He's one of the veteran leaders of this young squad. This young, hungry Knicks team that I love so much. Um, there was some bad news, unfortunately. It wasn't all good tonight. Um Noel only played 11 minutes. He was clearly, clearly hurt. Um, it was In the first half, he was obviously hurt. And then in the second half, he re-aggravated his injury. Didn't return. That's a big loss. He has a sprained ankle um uh, we will see i doubt i highly doubt considering how quick of a turnaround it is with tomorrow's game i doubt Nerlens Noel is going to play in Memphis tomorrow uh well i guess tonight by the time you hear this episode i would be shocked if Nerlens Noel is in the starting lineup of that game against the Grizzlies tomorrow but that's okay folks cuz Taj Gibson i like Taj Gibson a lot he does and went and in Noel's absence he often steps up and does a nice job I know the center depth on this team just keeps getting thinner and thinner, but Taj Gibson, I believe in Taj Gibson, man. The pride of Fort Greene. Uh, speaking of Taj, tonight he had th- in, in Noel's absence, he played 32 minutes, scoring six points, five rebounds. Uh, yeah, good night for Taj. And uh, like I said, I expect him to start tomorrow night because I don't think Noel's going to play against the Grizzlies. Um, let's see, who else do we need to mention here? Emmanuel quickly had a big fourth quarter. Uh, The game was pretty much decided, but uh, Emmanuel quickly was draining. (laughs) He decided he was like, you know what? I'm gonna put on a show from long range in the fourth quarter. Drained a he drained a three from the H on the H Town logo in uh, at center court uh, in Houston uh, to big three. He's look he can drain it from curry range if he wants to. Like quickly is can shoot with the best of them from three. Uh, He drained three three three-pointers in this game. 13 points overall in 23 minutes for the kid. Emmanuel quickly. And, yeah, uh, the Knicks emptied their bench in this one. A lot of guys who don't normally get time to play played in this one because it was such a blowout. Uh, Kevin Knox played. Jared Harper played. Frank Nilakina played. Even Theo Pinson got a minute in this one. Norvell Pell played in this game. A lot of guys who you don't normally expect to play for this Knicks team play in this one because it was an easy win. The Rockets are garbage. Like I said, I think this is the worst team I've seen all season. I mean, I, I think this Rockets team is garbage. Uh, I know they made the trade at the start of the year before the season even started. They traded Russell Westbrook to the Wizards for John Wall. That trade has not worked out for them at all. John Wall was injured a lot of this season. He did when he was playing. He averaged 20 points a game. They showed him sitting on the bench during the Knicks game or tonight. Um, obviously, he's out for the season, uh, but he was averaging 20 points a game. But considering how good Russell Westbrook has been for the Wizards these last couple games, uh, or at least these last couple of months, really, I got to say the Wizards won that trade uh, for sure. And um, then, of course, the Harden trade as well. Um, Obviously, Harden, the way he forced himself out of Houston, and I, of course, folks, it's the Knicks segment, so of course, you know, I'm going to take a shot at the Nets at some point during this episode. But um, yeah, the way Harden forced his way out of Houston, I thought was disgraceful, and unfortunately, he has, the way he did it, has set this Rockets franchise back a long way. It's going to take them a long time to recover from. This harden trade, I feel too. They didn't really get anything good from it. They got Victor Oladipo and then they traded him to the Heat. So yeah. The Rockets don't have any good players. Their best player, I would say, is Christian Wood. Uh I, I he is like he's a solid, like big man, but honestly, the rest of this team is not very good. Kelly Olinick, who they got back from the uh, Heat in that Victor Oladipo trade, had 17 points and ten rebounds, so he had a double double. I'm a little impressed by Kenyon Martin Jr., I guess, uh, just because I liked Kmart when he was on the Nets before the Nets turned into a team that I hate more than anything. Um, he played pretty well tonight. Rockets only have nine players, folks. Nine! They only have nine people on their bench. And I told you, the Knicks used all 15 of their guys tonight. So, that no wonder we won this game so easily, folks. I, no, This was easy. I, I don't know why I've spent 13 minutes already talking about this game when it was an easy, 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 easy win for the Knicks. So, anyway, with that being said, uh, let's preview the next couple of games for this team. They are not going to be easy. Like I said, this was the easiest game of the road trip by far. Houston is garbage. The rest of the teams we play are not Starting tonight, you'll be listening to this on Monday, the, ep- the game tonight against the Grizzlies is going to be tough. The last time these two teams met at Madison Square Garden, it was a very, very good game. It went to overtime. The Knicks won. The Knicks were down big. I believe they were down 15 at one point in that game. Almost and came back to win that game. That was the start. Going into that game, they were kind of struggling. If I remember correctly, that was not long after they had lost to the Timberwolves. So going into that game, they were struggling. But since then, they have played really well. I believe they've won 11 of their last 12 games since then. So Memphis was the one that started it off. Um, And so I'm hoping they can um, take care of business once again. I know Memphis is going to be out for revenge because of how that game went. Um, And I'm looking at the ESPN projection ranking. Uh, Memphis is 32-31 and in the West. Um, obviously the Western conference is much tougher than the East. I mean, that's, that's well established. Um, and they, as far as ESPN is concerned, they're giving Memphis a 55% chance to win. Um, I don't know about that. I I think the Knicks need to win this game too. I I really do. I think this is a must win game considering how the rest of the road trip is going to go. Um, it's a brutal stretch. So Memphis is a winnable game. You got to take advantage uh, win that, win this game, win. That's all I'll say. Just take care of business. This is a big one. The rest of the games are tough. We'll move into the Wednesday game now. Um, they're playing the Denver Nuggets. It's a late game. Both of these games, the Monday game uh, against Memphis, is at nine o'clock on the East Coast. The Nuggets game is also at nine o'clock. So they're later games. All the games on this trip are going to be very, very late. So um, they play Denver on Wednesday. I mentioned Jokic is. Without a doubt, uh, one of the front runners for MVP this season. I'm just looking at his numbers right now. I mean, this guy is an animal. Uh, he's averaging 26.2 points per game, 10.9 rebounds per game, and 8.5 assists per game. He is so good, Nikola Jokic. I know Michael Edgley is a big fan of Jokic. I am too. He is a big boy, but he is so talented. And the rest of this Nuggets team is pretty good too. They're going to be without Jamal Murray. Unfortunately, Jamal Murray suffered a season-ending injury a few a week or two ago, and that sucks because Jamal Murray's a lot of fun to watch and uh, he was a big part of why Denver got to the Western Conference Finals last year. But um, I think that's a winnable game too. I know Denver's 43 and 21, so obviously 22 games over 500, but we're a tough team. We can hang with them. I think we can hang with Denver. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to go out there and say we're going to definitely win this game, but I think we're going to hang with Denver at least. I think we'll hang tough with them as long as we possibly can. Um, we'll give them a fight. And, and who knows? Maybe the Knicks will come out on top. Uh, that's it until the Friday episode. I'll just, tell, I'll just remind you what comes after that. Uh, on Friday night at 10 o'clock, they're playing the Phoenix Suns, hoping to catch a little bit of that when I get back from the Mets game with Leith. Uh, That's at, like I said, 10 o'clock. These two teams played at Madison Square Garden last Monday. Uh, Suns won that game 118 to 110. It was a great game, but uh, if you remember the last episode, I I mentioned how I saw Chris Paul in my nightmares, and Chris Paul and Devin Booker were haunting me after that game, folks. Um, So I'm hoping for revenge. Phoenix, I believe, is – they might have honestly – Moved up to the top spot in the Western Conference. I'm looking at now, Uh, yes, as of this recording, Phoenix is technically ahead of the Utah Jazz for the top spot in the Western Conference. They've already clinched the playoff spot. Uh, Maybe they'll rest some guys. That might be wishful thinking, honestly. Uh, But uh, I don't know. Uh, Hopefully the Knicks can, I mean, the last time these two teams played, it was a great game. It was a really fun game. So I'm really looking forward to that Friday night matchup in the desert against the Phoenix Suns. And then two more tough games to close out the road trip. They play the Clippers on Sunday at 3.30. It's an afternoon game. nationally televised on ESPN if you want to watch it. You're not in New York or L.A. Um, that's going to be tough, obviously. The Clippers are 43-22. and 22. And then the Lakers on Tuesday, who just got LeBron James back. Uh, so LeBron is going to have ample time to get ready for the playoffs and ramp up. I don't think that really matters much to him, honestly. But um, I, I'm sure he'll, he'll take advantage of it for sure in this one. And, and uh, that'll be the rest of the road trip. So that's why this game against Memphis is so huge. It's a really winnable game. It's easily the most winnable out of these upcoming games. Uh, these are all very tough teams. Like It's going to be really difficult. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, folks. Uh, I want to be optimistic because this team has given me so much reason for optimism. We're not like the cookie-cutter Nets who, you know, just, like, like here's your factory optimism on a plate. This is, like, real optimism that, like, has been building all season. Like, uh, this hasn't been manufactured and bought or traded for in, in James Harden's case. Um, but, yeah, I, anyway, um, Nets lost today, by the way, so suck it. Anyway, um, <laughs> I... I I just love taking shots at the Nets, man. I just love taking shots at the Nets. Anyway, the Memphis game is huge. Win that game. You already took care of business tonight against Houston. Uh, so the next winnable game is Memphis on, on Monday. Win that one. And then we'll just see how it goes. You know, We'll see how it goes. I have a feeling Tibbs will have these guys ready to go. He always does. He always has them motivated. But do they have the talent to compete with these guys? I don't know, and if Noel is out, that's going to be tough. A lot of these guys like, have really good center depth, like a really good big men, too. So it's going to be tough. This isn't going to be an easy road trip by any stretch of the imagination, folks. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm obviously rooting for the Knicks, and like I've said in every episode, I am constantly proud of this team. Uh, this is one of my favorite teams that I've ever rooted for ever in my life in any sport honestly like it's just been a joy to watch them play to watch them grow new york we hear new york we hear i mean i that's that's a better slogan than brooklyn go hard as far as i'm concerned new york we hear uh anyway um that pretty much does it for the next segment of brian's beloved uh let's move uh, so what i'm gonna do for the next segment folks is uh I've already recorded this segment. I've already recorded the rest of the episode. I'm pretty much as soon as this episode, as soon as I finish recording this exact next segment, I'm going to stop recording and go to bed. But uh, the next segment is I'm going to combine three teams into one. Now you're going to notice the theme with the rest of the episode. I'm pretty down on hockey uh, because of the Rangers. I, I want to make this clear. I still love hockey. I am a big hockey fan, but. The way the Rangers season is ending has left a very bad taste in my mouth. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about that in the Rangers portion. Uh, We also break down the Giants draft. Uh, I talk a little bit about NYC FC's game against the Philadelphia Union. So basically what I do is I combine three teams into a quick 12-13 minute uh, little segment here. So enjoy that. That's coming up next on Brian's Beloved. Wait, hold the phone, folks. I have some more Knicks stuff. I apologize. I hate doing this, but I do have some more Knicks stuff from you. I had to go to the source. My main guy when it comes to the Knicks. I I think there is nobody, nobody more locked in to the Knicks than Alan Hahn. Uh, He's covered the Knicks for over a decade now. He works for MSG. There is nobody, and you watch the MSG broadcast, there is nobody more passionate about the Knicks than Alan Hahn. And uh, I just wanted to repeat the stat he just shared on Facebook tonight. Uh, after the win in Houston tonight, the Knicks are 36-28. and 28. They are now season-high eight games over 500. Also, they clinched their first non-losing season in eight years. Woo! More importantly, with tonight's results, they move a full five games up on the eight-seeded Hornets, 31-33. and 33, Two and a half games up on the seven seeded Celtics, and one and a half games up on the Heat and the Hawks, who are both 35 and 50. So, I would like to extend some shout outs on this episode to some teams that helped us tonight. Uh, first off, um, well, I mean, the Heat and the Hornets played each other, so that kind of canceled itself out. But uh, first off, shout out to the Portland Trailblazers for beating the Boston Celtics tonight 129 to 119. That helps us out. That moves us, again, even further ahead of the Celtics. Um, the the and Again, further ahead of the Hornets, thanks to the Heat winning. I am worried about Miami, though. Miami is a good team. They, like I've been worried about Miami all season. They also play the Knicks very well, honestly. So, I don't know. I, I, I think Miami could be a, a threat, honestly, if the Knicks struggle on this road trip. Uh, we'll see how the rest of this road trip goes, but again... Thank you to the Portland Trailblazers for beating the Boston Celtics tonight. And uh, tomorrow night, I believe the Portland Trailblazers, yes, they are playing the Atlanta Hawks. So Portland, I will be a huge Portland Trailblazers fan on Monday night, folks. I will be a gigantic Trailblazers fan because I want to move even further ahead of the Hawks. If we can go into this brutal stretch, this brutal road trip with a little bit of cushion, that would be great. So again, thank you to the Trailblazers. That's pretty much all I have to say for the next segment. Let's move into a little Rangers, Giants, NYC FC talk. Alright, for this portion of Brian's Beloved, I'm going to quickly combine three teams into one, into a quick little segment, just to briefly touch on uh, what's going on for them. That would be the Rangers, Giants, and NYC FC. Um, Let's start with the Rangers. The season's over. It's done after these last two games against the Islanders. I know I've declared the season over several times at this point, but really, I mean, it this time, folks, I'm dead serious. The season is over. The Rangers season is done. There's no reason to watch anymore. I'm, I'm done watching at this point. The Rangers season is over. They lost three, nothing to the Islanders on Saturday night. I didn't even watch this game folks. I was busy. I hung out with Michael Edgley and Tim Clark. Um, It was was a great night on Saturday, and I did not care about the Rangers at all. I'm going to be totally honest. I did not care at all about this game. Um, Islanders won 3-0. It's the last ever Rangers-Islanders game at Nassau Coliseum before the Islanders move into their new arena at Belmont next year, which I'm actually looking forward to. Uh, I'm excited for the Islanders for that. They've been waiting a long time. For their arena, they've gone through various different projects. They went through the Lighthouse project. They went to Brooklyn for a while. That was a disaster. I went to games at the Barclays Center, so I know how much of a disaster it was. Then they went back to the Coliseum for a little while. Now it appears, or well, not it appears, they are moving to Belmont. Uh, I think that's going to be really good for them. Uh, I'm excited for them to finally have a real home uh, that I think will unite their fan base. So this was the last game at the dump that is Nassau Coliseum. I am goodbye to that dump. Sorry, Pat and that place is a dump. The Coliseum is a joke. Anyway, uh um, the Islanders won 3-0. Uh Anthony Bavillier scored two goals. He scored 439 into the first period to make it 1-0. Matt Barzal scored 1622 into the first period to make it 2-0. And then in the second period, Bavillier got once again another goal. 102 into the second period to make it 3-0, and that was it. Varlamov had his fourth shutout of the year against the, uh, the Rangers, his seventh of the season against any team. I mean, L- Varlamov is just a great goalkeeper. Um, Islanders win that game 3 nothing. Rangers' season is done. Truba, Kreider, Lindgren are all out for the rest of the year. I think at this point I wouldn't bring them back. I mean, there's no point in bringing them back. The season's over. So um, the Rangers do have uh, four games left, brutally, against the Capitals. They have a Chara against the Capitals on Monday and Wednesday. Uh, And then they have a Chara against the Bruins, the team that originated the Charas. Uh, They have a Chara against the Bruins to end the season. Uh, The first game of the Chara against the uh, Capitals is Monday. Uh, I, I guess today, the day you'll be listening to this podcast, I was talking to Robbie Gross. He really wants me to watch this game so I can talk about it on the podcast. I'm going to be honest. Robbie, if you're listening, I'd much rather watch the Wizards game that night, honestly. I I am much more, like, the Rangers season is over. And when the Rangers season is over, it is very hard for me to care. I'm sorry. I think I'm going to be watching the Wizards that night. Uh, And I'll be good for Wizards talk, at least. But uh, I don't really, I I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be too locked into the Rangers-Capitals game. They play a second end of the Chara on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And the season ends in Boston against the Bruins. They have a game on Thursday against them at 7 o'clock. And then the season ends on Saturday at 3 o'clock. Uh, yeah, that's it for the Rangers. Uh, I, I mean, look, they, they had a nice season, all things considered. I It's, um, con- I mean, this division is tough. There's a lot of really good teams in this division. The Capitals, Penguins, Islanders, Bruins, Flyers are all good. Uh, I know New Jersey and Buffalo are trash, but I mean, still, I, I don't, I don't care. I look, it, it's, it's fine. They'll be, I think they'll be good next year. I think they just needed an adjustment period. There were building blocks for the season for the Rangers. I, and I think there's a lot to build on, but um, I, I it's going to be hard for me to care the rest of the way. Honestly, um, I will watch the playoffs. And actually I was talking to Pat Honan about this uh, this morning uh, I might honestly increase Islanders coverage a little bit, uh, just to keep a New York flavor to the podcast. Um, I might, since they will be the New York representative in the NHL playoffs, I might honestly start talking about the Islanders a little bit more, because I, I will keep an eye on their games. I'm not going to root for the Islanders, hell no, definitely, don't, don't take it that way. They, this will not be part of Brian's beloved. I want to make that very clear. But um, I I might cover the Islanders in the playoffs a little bit just because they are the only New York representative in the playoffs. Um, But other than that, it's going to be tough for me to care about the Rangers the rest of the way. Um, Anyway, let's talk about the Giants draft. Um, I gave you my take on Kadarius Toney in the last episode, the first-round pick. Uh, The rest of the draft, um, I like what they did. I I really do. Uh, They didn't have a pick in every round, and I believe, actually, Dave Gettleman might have traded back a second time, Um, but yeah, um, anyway, um, I like what they did. Round two, the 50th pick overall, they picked Aziz Ojolari, an outside linebacker out of Georgia, I think that'll be good, I I saw on Instagram, uh, Andrew Thomas, the offensive lineman they drafted last year, uh, out of Georgia, was really happy about that move, he's one of his teammates, Um, here's the ESPN report on him. This is a pick most wouldn't have complained about if it was at number 20. Instead, general manager Dave Gettleman traded back again, adding a future third-round pick to the stockpile, and landed the talented Georgia pass rusher. How can you complain about that? That sounds pretty good. Yeah, this guy sounds good. I'm down for this. I'm down for this guy. Um, I know ESPN, and he's only 20. Wow. All right. He's a young kid. So welcome to the NFL, kid. Uh, He's going to be thrown right into the fire with this Giants team. We'll see how he goes. The third round pick was Aaron Robinson, a quarterback out of center, Central Florida. Um, here's what ESPN said about him. The Giants continue to load up on the secondary after a- also adding cornerback Dory Jackson in free agency and Denari Holmes last year in the middle rounds of the draft. It's getting crowded, but you can never have too many capable corners, and Gettleman has been adamant about ha- never having too many good players at a single position. Yeah, Dave Gettleman's absolutely right. I mean, that's absolutely true. Dave Gettleman loves to stock up on guys. Uh, round four, they picked an outside line, another outside linebacker, uh, Ellerson Smith out of Northern Iowa. Um, interest, yeah, I I kind of like it to get depth. They, they compared him to Kyler Fackrell. Uh, I believe he plays for the Packers. Uh, that might be good. That might be good. Round six, they drafted a running back. You can never have enough running backs, especially with Saquon's injury history. Uh, that's Gary Brightwell, running back out of Arizona. That was the number one hundred ninety-six pick in the draft. Uh, this was the take on him from ESPN. It's not a surprise the Giants added some backfield depth in the later rounds, especially someone like Brightwell, who has special teams value. Yes, especially special. I, that's important because the Giants special team sucks. It's always been bad. Um, Brightwell is 5'11", 218 pounds, with some speed and good open field instincts. Dev- Saquon Barkley or Devontae Booker don't need to worry about their jobs, at least not now. Yeah, okay, so he's, he's a project, basically. They also picked uh, Rodarius Williams, a cornerback out of Oklahoma State, in the round six. And uh, that's it. They didn't have a seventh-round pick. Uh, This is what they said about Rodarius Williams. The brother of Cleveland Browns quarterback, Greedy Williams, that means nothing to me, was the Giants' final pick. Rodarius Williams played at Oklahoma State and will be 25 years old at the start of the season. Wow, old. He's an old rookie. Damn. And he's a physical player whose skill set would also suggest he has special teams value. You can see what the Giants and Judge were targeting late in this draft. Yeah, they were going for special team depth. That's why they drafted that running back. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Gary Brightwell. And that's why they made this move as well. So um, I like it. I, I like this Giants draft. I like Gettleman trading back. Uh, I'm still bummed they didn't get Devonta Smith. I thought he would have been a really nice player for this team. But um, eh, beggars can't be choosers. I mean, still, still, I think we're looking good. I know I'm, I'm more optimistic than most people, honestly. Uh, I'm still in shock that I actually liked the Dave Gettleman move, and, um, I like this draft. If I had to, you know, I'm not Mel Kuyper or anything, but if I had to dra- grade this draft for the Giants, I'd probably give it, like, a B, B-plus, honestly. Nothing, nothing spectacular. Nothing that's gonna, like, I think, dramatically change the franchise, unless Kadarius Tony is, like, the second coming of Jerry Rice, but I, I don't know. I like, I like what they did. I like what they did. I am a fan of these, of these moves for the Giants. Um. So that, that pretty much does it for the NFL. I think the Jets had a good draft, too, just to keep it in New York for a minute, too. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Zach Wilson. I heard Zach Wilson on the K-Show on Monday, on Friday. Sounds like a really cool, down-to-earth kid. Michael asked him, uh, do you expect to start uh, day one? And he gave the most humble, down-to-earth answer you could possibly give. He said, that's something that's earned, and I'm going to have to work my way to it. So... Zach Wilson, the Mormon Mahomes, as they call him, seems like a kid with a good head on his shoulders. I like what the Jets did in this draft, too. I don't hate the Jets the way I I feel. I don't feel the same way about the Jets that I do about the the Mets, the Nets, the Islanders. Um, But I, I do wish them well. I want them to win a Super Bowl one day for Charlie, man. Charlie's been such a diehard fan his whole life. I could not imagine if the Jets won the Super Bowl how Charlie would react. I think I don't know what he'd do. He's crazy enough as it is. He might honestly go even more insane. Uh I can't I I hope it happens sometime in Charlie's lifetime. I hope it happens in my lifetime too, so I can watch Charlie react to the Jets winning the Super Bowl. Uh anyway, um just to wrap up this this short little segment where I combine three teams into one. NYC FC played last night against the Philadelphia Union. Uh hot rivalry, hot uh but burgeoning rivalry in the um, MLS, um union are still a relatively new team to the league um and they've just started to kind of hit their stride as a club and have success uh but a great i thought this was a good win for nyc fc um they won 2-0 uh jesus medina scored a goal in the fifth minute to make it 1-0 uh, i did not see this game honestly i'm just reading the recap literally as i give you the score here um the Union had a player sent off. They had a red card in the 16th minute. Jose Martinez was sent off. Uh, and that was pretty much it for the scoring in the first half. Uh, Valentin Castellanos made it 2-0 for NYCFC, and that was the final score in this one for the Boys in Blue, uh, who get their second win in a row after beating uh, Cincy at Yankee Stadium the other day. or uh, Last week, I should say. Um, that was a good game. Um, I, I, you know, I wish I had watched... Um, I you know, I would have loved to have checked out this game, but um, I was busy. I was hanging out with Mike and Tim, so um, I wasn't able to check it out, but uh, a good win for the boys in blue. Uh, I will take it for sure against Philly, um, and um, our next game is this Saturday. Uh, it's against Orlando. That's a big one. Uh, Orlando is the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year. Uh, I can't really explain to you what happened in that playoff game. Uh, the best source of this... The best, the best way to explain what happened in that playoff game, honestly, and I'm gonna sound—I know I talk about him a lot. Go watch the John Boy breakdown of the NYCFC Orlando playoff game because he doesn't even watch soccer, and yet he still broke it down very, very well and explained very well what happened in that crazy playoff game. So this is a rematch of that game where Orlando City knocked out NYCFC of the NLS playoffs last year. Another heartbreaking playoff loss for nyc fc in the playoffs so uh yeah get revenge win that game um it's in orlando scene of the crime it's where that game happened last year um so go out there win that game and uh make it a three-game winning streak and then you return home for a game at yankee stadium against the toronto against toronto fc uh yeah just take care of business against orlando nyc fc uh get another win and uh yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on that one. Uh, like I said, I don't have a ton to say on this week's uh, NYC FC game because I didn't watch it, uh, but a good win for the Pigeons. Uh, anyway, uh, that pretty much does it for today's Brian's Beloved. We've recapped uh, the weeks for the Yankees, the Knicks, uh, a little bit of the Rangers, Giants, and NYC FC as well. I think we've covered it all pretty well today. I think I hope you're ready for that Astros series. I hope you're ready for it, folks. It, it's a big one. It's a big one at the stadium this week. It's a big week at the stadium. So anyway... With that being said, let's get into today's outro. Alright folks, it is time for today's outro. You know how the outro goes. We talk about all the headlines nationally and internationally today that we may have missed in the sports world over the last couple of days. And today on the outro, we begin in Manchester, England, where... A wild, oh, just wild scenes today, folks. Uh, I have some quotes here from some some uh, people of interest that um, on today's events that you'll hear a little bit later, like my dad (laughs) and Patrick Montgomery, uh, because I wanted to get their takes on it because they're obviously big soccer people. But um, what a day in Manchester, folks! Honestly, I didn't, I wasn't following this live because, as you guys know, I've been very down on European soccer lately. Because of what happened with the Super League, just the general bad vibes around Arsenal, I have been very down on European soccer. I haven't watched an Arsenal game in weeks. I'll be honest, I just don't care anymore. I hate Stan Kroenke, I hate his ownership, I I hate the Super League, I hated it so much, and I hate all the other clubs, who like, like Manchester United and Liverpool, who tried to get involved in the Super League. So I just have a really bad taste in my mouth about European soccer in general right now. And I think a lot of people in England feel the same way I do. And I think that's what led to today's event. I don't think it expect, they expected it to get out of hand the way it did today in Manchester. But there were protests at the Emirates Stadium the last couple of weeks as well. I, I, I don't think they could have ever expected what happened today at Old Trafford to happen again. So anyway... I have an article here from ESPN that I will read, you, read to you detailing what happened. Sunday's Premier League clash between Manchester United and Liverpool has been postponed after United fans invaded the Old Trafford pitch in a demonstration against the team owners, the Glazer family. A statement from United confirmed the news and attributed the decision to, quote, safety and security concerns, saying it came following discussions with police, the Premier League, and the local council. A revised date for the game has yet to be confirmed. The statement added... Oh, boy. Our fans are passionate about Manchester United, and we completely acknowledge the right to free free expression and peaceful protest. However, we regret the disruption to the team and actions which put the other fans, staff, and the police in danger. We thank the police for their support and will assist them in any subsequent investigation. I hate these statements from teams. They're just so bad. Ugh. Premier League teams cannot write statements for shit. Anyway, um, the Premier League also issued a statement which read, Following the security breach at Old Trafford, the Manchester United versus Liverpool game has been postponed. This is a collective decision from the police, both clubs, at the Premier League and local authorities. Hang on. The security and safety of everyone at Old Trafford remains of paramount importance. We understand and respect the, strength of, the fe- strength of feeling, but condemn all acts of violence, criminal damage, and trespass, especially given the associated COVID-19 breaches. Fans have many channels by which to make their views known, but the actions of a minority seen today have no justification. We sympathize with the police and stewards who had to deal with a dangerous situation that should have no place in football. The rearrangement of the fixture will be communicated in due course. The protest started with around a 1,000 supporters outside the Lowry Hotel, where the United team were staying. Meanwhile, two police vans were positioned at the gates of Old Trafford, used by the team coaches from the early Sunday morning. While the protest had been planned, was largely peaceful. It descended into chaos as fans infiltrated the stadium. This is why I called it the Storming the Capitol moment, folks. And if you look at pictures... Of the scene at Old Trafford, it looks very reminiscent of what we saw a few miles from where I am now on January 6th. Well, fans started gathering in the forecourt at Old Trafford around noon British Standard Time slash 8 a.m. Eastern. An hour later, a large group broke the fencing around the stadium and moved the protest toward the Munich Tunnel underneath the Sir Bobby Charlton stand. A large crowd of fans also gathered outside the ground, letting off green and gold flares, the colors of United shirts when they were formed as Newton Heath. Yeah, that's, um, that's a sign of protest by Manchester United fans. I know that. Um, they, um, they use those colors because they hate the Glazers. They hate the American owners of Manchester United. So to protest their ownership, a lot of Manchester United fans started using those colors and wearing that as like a scarf to say, like, we don't support these American owners that, that own our club. Police moved in to try and clear the areas outside the stadium where there were some isolated incidents with bottles and barriers being thrown. The game was originally planned to kick off at 4.30 p.m. British standard time slash 1130 a.m. Eastern time. Liverpool released a statement saying they were in full agreement with the decision to call the game off. So yeah, crazy day in old Trafford. This was one of the biggest, uh, one of Manchester United versus Liverpool is a huge, huge fixture folks. Um, for those of you who don't know the Premier League, it is two very good teams and are two historic rivals that hate each other very much. And these fans, the protest, I get. Like, I'm, I'm okay with, like, the protest. Like, I understand. Like I said, Arsenal fans were protesting outside the Emirates, and it was mostly peaceful. But, like, this, this insurrection stuff that they're doing, basically, by storming the field, I don't think that accomplishes anything, honestly. I get why they're angry and... I get why they're mad, but um, I don't know. It just seems like it just got a little, a little bit out of hand. I totally get the protest, though. I totally understand why they're mad because I'm mad too. I hate the Super League. I hate the Glazers too. I think they're. I don't think they're. You know, they're. Good. What a year! Well, I was talking about this with Tim Clark. What a year for the Glazers, folks. They have. They win the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and and now they're doing with all this crap. Their owner, their fans are finally revolting against them, and. Man, what it's got to be a crazy year for them. Um, so anyway, I talked to my dad about. Uh, I talked to my dad about this because honestly, I mentioned I wasn't watching. My dad was the one who alerted me to what was happening here. He was like, "Are you following what's happening in Manchester?" I was like, "No. Why would I be following what's happening in Manchester?" And he was like, "Well, anyway, there's this protest, and they're like they've actually stormed the stadium." And I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "That got my attention." I was like, "Whoa!" And so, um, I asked my dad, is this football storm the capital moment? And he said it was similar. Um, and he also said he thinks it's the first time a Premier League club, and probably any British club, as he put it, has been invaded like that. And uh he also added, I think this is probably my dad's best line. <laughs> Boris opened the pubs at the wrong time. <laughs> referencing, of course, the Prime Minister of England, Mr. Boris Johnson, uh, who of course opened the pubs. <laughs> anyway, and that's that probably had a lot to do with it too. There was a small minority of people who were very 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 drunk who went out and and acted like this so i wanted to make people aware of this because i've talked about the super league and how much i hated it and obviously i've talked in recent weeks about how down i've been on european soccer but i want i want people to know it's not just me who feels this way it's fans in england who feel this way? The fallout from the Super League is is still it's it's gonna take a long time for the stink and the stigma of the Super League to wear off for a lot of these clubs. I really feel that way. Um, yeah what what a what a disaster. I mean, I get why they're mad. I really do. I understand the frustration. I really do. I just don't know if like storming the capital like this or storming Old Trafford is. Uh, The best way to go. I talked to uh, Patrick Montgomery, uh, who's a big Liverpool fan and a good friend of mine. Uh, um, He described it, his exact words were a Stella-fueled mank orgy. Uh, Yeah, it was drunken, just madness. And go look up the pictures if you haven't seen it. Look at the pictures of the flares and people just chanting. It's a lot of people outside Old Trafford. Uh, the best place I would recommend, other than just googling it, uh, if I could recommend one place that has a lot of good pictures on it, uh, Sam's Army on Instagram. he's the soccer guy for Barstool sports. Now I know you're saying Barstool sports. What the hell? But any, he is actually he actually covers soccer very well, I think. And um, I mentioned Spit and Chicklets last week. I think Sam does a really good soccer podcast for a younger generation. and um, he posted a lot of really good pictures videos of this protest and it's just really impressive to see so anyway um go check that out if you want to learn more about this i've already spent nine minutes talking about it and uh, this is the outro we do have a lot to get to but uh, i just wanted to give you um how i feel about it honestly and just keep you updated on the latest events in european soccer Um, anyway let's let's come back stateside for a few minutes here and talk about aaron Rodgers. i didn't talk about this in the last episode i could have talked about it but we already you know Last episode was two hours and 27 minutes long. So, I mean, there's, there's already a lot to talk about. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Uh, here's the article from Thursday that broke the news. This is from Adam Schefter. Schefter was the one who first reported this. Um, actually, you know what's funny? Matt Prandoni and I were talking before the game about Aaron Rodgers possibly being traded. I was like, nah, it's never going to happen. And then during the middle of the game, Adam Schefter tweeted... Basically, what I'm about to read you: reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers is so disgruntled with the Green Bay Packers that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team. League and team sources told ESPN on Thursday. The Packers are aware of his feelings, concerned about them, and have and have had them. President have had team. Pre- I can't read for. I don't know why I can't read today. Have had team president Mark Murphy, general manager Brian Goodenkuts, and head coach Matt Lafleur fly out on separate trips to meet with Rodgers at various points during this offseason, sources told ESPN. As we've stated since the season ended, we are committed to Aaron in 2021 and beyond, Good told ESPN. Aaron has been a vital part of our success, and we look forward to competing for another championship with him leading our team. Rodgers, 37, has not budged this offseason, but neither have the Packers, who have made it known that they are not interested in trading Rodgers elsewhere. The San Francisco 49ers checked in with the Packers about Rodgers' potential availability on Wednesday night. But General Manager John Lynch said Thursday that the call didn't go anywhere and he was quickly rebuffed. You're talking about the MVP of our league last year, Lynch said. Yeah, we inquired. It was a qu- it was a quick into the conversation, but it wasn't happening. As we said, we have been conv- convicted and excited for a long, long time. So we went right back to where we've been, and that's... Really exciting about adding Trey Lance to the 49ers, and we're thrilled about that. Man, can you imagine if the San Francisco 49ers had pulled off that trade? Uh, That would have been crazy. That would have been nuts. Um, I I personally believe Aaron Rodgers has always wanted to play for the San Francisco 49ers, but now that they've drafted Trey Lance, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I've always thought that if Aaron Rodgers were to ever leave the Packers, the ideal fit would be the San Francisco 49ers. Because remember, not only is he from that area, They also passed on him in the draft in 2005. And let's be honest, folks, it's one of the biggest mistakes in San Francisco 49ers history, if not the biggest mistake in San Francisco 49ers history. So anyway, I still don't believe if Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded. Like, I have to see it to believe it, folks. He's Aaron freaking Rodgers. Like, he's the MVP. I understand he's pissed with the organization. And honestly, Aaron Rodgers has has a right to be pissed at the Packers organization. They drafted Jordan Love last year. Uh, you don't draft a quarterback in the first round when you've got Aaron Rodgers. What What you do in the first round when you've got Aaron Rodgers is you draft talent around him. Instead, they basically drafted his replacement right in front of him. So yeah, I get why he's a little pissed. And then, in the playoffs, they don't go for it on fourth down. They kick the field goal. Huge mistake. I understand why he's pissed too. He gets trolled on Jeopardy about that. I'm sure that's stewing around in his brain. I get why Aaron Rodgers is absolutely pissed at the Packers. At the same time, I see the Packers holding strong here, folks. I really do. They can't trade Aaron Rodgers. He's Aaron freaking Rodgers. You don't trade him. It would be a mistake to trade the reigning MVP. Almost got you to the Super Bowl. Would have gotten you to the Super Bowl, I think, if you had gone for it on fourth down. Ugh. Ugh. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere, folks. I really I, – I, I, could, I could come back to eat my words. This could be an old takes exposed, so get it ready. I think Aaron Rodgers will be starting week one for the Packers. I really do. I have an updated article. That article I just read to you, that was on Thursday. This is the most recent article I could find from ESPN on Aaron Rodgers. Three days after the depths of Aaron Rodgers' disgruntlement with his team came to light – his coach over the past two seasons still, quote, can't fathom the idea of the reigning NFL MVP not returning to the Packers. Like Packers team president Mark Murphy and general manager Brian Goodenkunst have said in the days since ESPN's Adam Schefter reported the news on Thursday, Matt LaFleur was emphatic in his desire for Rodgers to return. But the issue isn't whether the Packers want Rodgers back, but rather that Rodgers doesn't want to return. Yeah, I know, and I can't even take my brain to that spot right now, LaFleur said on Saturday, following the conclusion of the NFL draft. So I just want to do everything in my power to ensure that doesn't happen. I can't fathom him not being in Green Bay, the Packers coach added later. That's where it hit my mind's at. I don't only love the player, but I love the person. I love working with him on a daily basis. I think we all do, from the players in, that, in the locker room to the coaching staff. Again, I don't want to even let my mind go there. LaFleur would not disclose details of his recent conversations with Rodgers. I'll always remain hopeful and optimistic and certainly will always welcome him back with open arms, LaFleur said. He knows exactly how not only myself, but our staff and our players feel about him. Like I said before, I just can't imagine him not being in a Green Bay Packer uniform. Sorry. Ah, I don't think this story is going to go away. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be mad for a while, folks. Um, But at the end of the day, I see the Packers holding strong. Now, they would get a hell of a return for Aaron Rodgers if they were to trade him. But um, I think the Packers will hold strong and keep Aaron Rodgers. One interesting stat I saw, folks. Maybe this is a curse for the Packers. Bart Starr played 16 seasons with the Packers. Brett Favre played 16 seasons with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers has now played 16 seasons with the Packers. No Packers quarterback has ever reached 16 seasons with the team. Or 17 seasons with the team. I'm stumbling all over my words today. But anyway, no Packers quarterback has ever reached that milestone. Aaron Rodgers could become the first. But does he want to be a part of this organization? It doesn't sound like it. I just don't see the Packers budging. I know I've said that a lot. I just don't see... He's Aaron Rodgers. He's Aaron Rodgers. Like, I, I just don't see them making a move. Until until it gets to a like Brady Belichick situation where they're like they're they just can't stand each other anymore, I don't see the Packers moving on from Aaron Rodgers. I know I sound stubborn about that, but I need to see it to believe it, folks. That's my take on the Packers Aaron Rodgers drama. All right, I hope you have a mint julep in hand, folks, because it's time to talk Kentucky Derby. Um, I'm not a huge horse racing guy, honestly. I'm not, like, Mike Francesa or anything when it comes to horse racing. I was talking a little bit to Pat Honan about this earlier, because Pat Honan is huge into the Kentucky Derby. He called it one of his bucket list events. Um, And, like, he was talking about, about like, even the prelim stuff. He texted me, like, the old Forester was great. And I was, like, I quickly Google. I'm, like, oh, yeah, yeah, the old Forester, yeah, that was great. (laughs) I'm not honestly... Not really a, a horse racing guy personally, but the Kentucky Derby is a hell of an event, honestly. And uh, I watched this um, with Tim Clark at World of Beer. Perks of being fully vaccinated, folks. You can go back to bars. Um, anyway, I went to uh, World of Beer with Tim Clark, and um, we watched the Kentucky Derby, um, and uh, it was a great race. I'll give you a recap here. I have an exact recap from uh, I don't know CBS News. This is from CBS News. Recap of the Kentucky Derby. Medina Spirit has won the 147th running of the Kentucky Derby, kicking off the 2021 race for the Triple Crown. Medina Spirit, ridden by jockey John R. Velasquez, came into the race at 12-1 odds. Trainer Bob Baffert has now won a record-breaking 7th Kentucky Derby. Essential Quality, which came into the race undefeated at 5-0, earning a spot as the favorite at 3-1 odds, came in 4th place. The win also gave Velasquez his fourth Kentucky Derby victory, putting him one win behind the all-time record shared by jockeys Eddie Ar- Arcaro and Bill Hartack. Arcaro holds, also holds the record for most wins at the Belmont Stakes and Preakness Stakes, taking home the trophy for both races six times each. There's no words to describe it, Velasquez says. This doesn't get old. The Derby resumed its traditional place on the first Saturday in May this year after the coronavirus pandemic threw the horse racing schedule into chaos in 2020. Last year, the Kentucky Derby was pushed back into September and was run after the Belmont Stakes, which is traditionally the final leg of the Triple Crown. Churchill Downs was capped at 50% capacity for this year's run for the Roses after the race took place without spectators last year. This is the attendance was announced at 51,838, making the biggest sporting event in the U S since the beginning of the pandemic. That record will likely be broken by the by the Indy 500 at the end of May. I don't think we're covering the Indy 500, by the way. I don't think we're going to cover it. I'm not that I we're not, we're not getting into that world. The next race of the triple crown will be the Preakness stakes. It's in Baltimore. It'll be held on May 15th. That's why the Baltimore football team was called the Colts. Because it's got such a horse racing history in Baltimore, um, yeah. So I, it was a great race. It came right down to the wire. Um, like I said, not a huge horse racing expert, expert, but uh, shout out to Medina Spirit. Shout out to Bob Baffert. I think Pat Honan called the ownership group a little questionable, but um, either way, uh, I love. I do like the Kentucky Derby. It, I love that song, "My Old Kentucky Home." Uh, that, that's that's all. That's really nice. Like that's a tradition. Yeah, I know Jim Nance always says uh the Masters is a tradition unlike any other. But so is the Kentucky Derby. The Kentucky Derby is uh or the Kentucky Derbis, as Peter Rogersenberg called it on the k show last year. Uh but anyway, uh, I loved I, I I'm glad I watched this. And I will probably watch the Preakness, folks. I I will probably watch the Preakness. Alright. I did say this was the Mr. October episode, folks. And yeah, I I look, Reggie Jackson. Is a great Yankee. He hit three home runs in Game Six of the 1977 World Series. He hit five straight home runs in that World Series. It's one of the great World Series performances of all time. He's Mr. October. I love Reggie Jackson. I really do. Like he's like I obviously wasn't alive when he played, but in terms of like old school Yankees, Reggie Jackson has always been one of my favorites. So that me that makes me this that makes this news doubly disappointing. Honestly. And I think it adds a little bit of uh, spice, a little bit of intrigue that this news just happened to come out uh, a couple days before a Yankees-Astros series um, that this news came out. So anyway, uh, let me know what you make of this. I saw a few people saying this is like clickbait, but personally, I think there might be some, something interesting here. Hall of Famer and New York Yankees legend Reggie Jackson recently joined the Astros organization. There's been no official announcement from the Astros yet. But Jackson let the cat out of the bag after he was spotted at Minute Maid Park for Wednesday's Astros-Mariners game and then at the Woodlands Country Club for the Insperity Invitational Pro-Am on Thursday. I'm involved and have been involved with Jim and the Strohs, Jackson said to the Houston Chronicle uh, on Thursday. I'm happy to be here. It's working well. I'm fitting in, all to make the ball club better. And at the same time, we're working on a lot of baseball fields and charity things, that we can do together for the community. Jackson, who turned 75 in May, only spent 5 of his 15 big league seasons with the... Yeah- oh. I should point out, this is a Houston article, by the way. And Houston reporters are the most biased people on earth. They Their journalism sucks. I just want to say this, the journalism in Houston is trash. Anyway, um... Spent five, why does that matter? Only five? He's still remembered as Mr. October for the Yankees. Who cares how many seasons he spent with the Yankees? Mini rant over. Starting over here. Jackson, who turned 75 in May, only spent five of his 15 big league seasons with the Yankees, but he's revered in New York as Mr. October for his postseason heroics. He hit five home runs in the 1977 World Series. <sighs> a feat later duplicated by the Astros' George Springer in 2017, (laughs) and helped the Yankees win two titles. He also won three championships in Oakland. Both the Athletics and the Yankees have retired as number 44. Wrong. He wore nine for the Astros. He wore 44 for the Yankees. He wore number nine for the Athletics. Jackson retired from baseball after the 1987 season and went into the Hall of Fame in 1993. The same year, the Yankees' George Steinbrenner hired him to be a special advisor for the franchise. Jackson served in that role for 28 years before leaving in February. It's just the time to take a step back, Jackson said at the time. I want to be around the game. I want to contribute. I want to leave my knowledge. But it's just time to move on. Oh, Reggie, say it ain't so, Mr. October. Ah. Oh, say it ain't so. By the way, just crappy journalism in that article from start to finish. Uh, like I said, Houston journalism is whack. Anyway, um, I look, he's friends with the guy. I don't think Reggie, at this point, he's 70. I don't think he even realizes what he's doing. Like, Does, uh, he's, does he even have the internet? He probably has no idea what the Astros did, honestly. That has to be the only reason he would ever get involved in this, honestly. Uh, I'm interested to hear what Michael K has to say about this. I hope, uh, Michael K talks about this on his radio show, uh, today on Monday. Um, uh, but I was a little disappointed in Reggie when I saw this, but Hey, he's friends with the owner. I guess he's 75. He's a baseball hall of famer. I guess he's free to do whatever he wants. But, uh, this definitely does add a, an extra element of intrigue, I think to the series at the stadium this week. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I I'm excited to hear what what people have to say about this, honestly, because my personal opinion is like, it's weird. Like, does Reggie not know how much of the Yankees and Astros hate each other? I mean, it's it's, it's I don't think he realizes here. I, I don't think he I, I, that has to be the only reason he like, or he's just blind loyalty to his friend, the Astros owner. I don't know. I don't know. That just seems weird. It's, it's, screw that article. I'm I'm done with this. Mr. October is still one of my favorite. This is still the Mr. October episode, folks. I, it doesn't matter if he's an a- a- Astros special advisor. He will always be remembered as a hero in New York for those three home runs in Game 6 of the 1977 World Series. He was the straw that stirred the drink, as he said. Um, I highly encourage anybody out there to read about those 1977-1978 Yankees teams because they were very... Very interesting. You had a lot of fiery personalities between Reggie, Thurman Munson, Billy Martin, and a lot of really good players. I could probably name that whole starting lineup, and I wasn't even alive. Those are some of my favorite Yankee teams of all time, and I wasn't even alive for them. So I wish I was alive. I would have – I've told my parents this. I would have loved – those '70s Yankees teams, I would have been in love with those guys. I, I mean, I like these guys that we we have now. I would have loved Reggie Jackson. I would love Thurman Munson, Willie Randolph, Roy White. I would have loved those guys, man. I wish I got to root for those guys. But um, anyway, I'm I'm disappointed a little bit in Reggie. But hey, he's 75 years old. He's a baseball Hall of Famer. He can do what he wants. Uh, anyway. Um anyway, this isn't really a sports story, but I'm going to relate it to sports a little bit, but I thought I I got it from awful announcing and I thought it was interesting. I just want to say it's getting really harder and harder to watch sports without cable these days. Like I know for example, my friends in the DMV area, you pretty much need cable to watch and and like, and You need cable to watch the Orioles You need cable to watch the Nationals There's no streaming option They're not on YouTube TV They're not on Hulu TV Or whatever it's called or, or any like FUBU or any of the other options I'm a big advocate for fake cable It's actually how I watch every sporting event Honestly I don't have cable So I have to stream everything uh, Which is mildly annoying by the way I like to say um, one One really annoying thing about that Is that I get spoiled a lot Because I'm way behind everybody else like I'm at le- like I know when I'm watching the Yankees, I am at least two pitches behind my parents. I remember last year. Um, I, I, I remember last year Gary Sanchez hit a grand slam in extra innings against the Mets, and uh, my parents texted like I texted my parents something like he came up with the bases loaded, and I was like let's go Gary, and um, my parents texted me back just you wait, and then two minutes later Gary Sanchez hit a grand slam, so my parents were like two minutes ahead of me. It's, it was really annoying. I have to put my phone on Do Not Disturb when the Yankees are playing because I don't want it to be spoiled for me. But it's mildly annoying. I'm just saying it's, it is harder and harder to watch sports these days if you don't have cable. So that's what made this news uh, that came out on Friday, I think, kind of difficult for a lot of people because a lot of people, like me, I, I have a Roku TV. And so I use my Roku TV to watch sports. And uh, so I think this is going to be tough for a lot of people. Here's the news. On Friday, Roku dropped the YouTube TV app from their platforms. However, it's important to note that if you have the channel installed, you won't lose it. Okay, so that's good for people who already have installed YouTube TV will get to keep it, but if you are trying to cut the cord, this is not good news, honestly, if you have a Roku for sure. Um, It's only been pulled from the Roku channel store, so users can't download the app for the first time or, again, if it's been previously deleted. YouTube released a long statement about the dispute Yeah, so basically, I'm not going to go into every detail here, but it sounds like Roku and Google had this dispute, and now they are pulling YouTube TV from Roku, which is frustrating because a lot of people use YouTube TV to watch cable. It's a cable alternative. Uh, I personally don't think it's a very good cable alternative because it recently, now just to tie it back into sports, uh, they recently cut ties with many many regional sports networks i believe they cut ties with all of fox's which now became Bally sports regional sports networks so you can't watch any of those on youtube tv so i personally don't think they cut ties with yes network they cut they don't have Masson. i don't think you they don't i know michael edgeley had youtube tv and i know he switched back to hulu plus or whatever the hell it's called because they didn't have nbc sports washington the the second channel so he couldn't watch the wizards um they don't I don't think YouTube TV is a very good option for the sports the sports fan personally but that doesn't change that this is still going away and it still makes it even harder for sports fans to watch it and um, like I said I own a Roku TV I have a very nice Roku TV it's my baby I love this TV it's a 58 incher um anyway um <laughs> anyway um here's a, some more from the article last year Roku famously had carriage disputes with Fox NBC and Warner Media uh, and all were eventually resolved but this dispute feels different as it's not related to a streaming service with an extensive library or a streaming service that requires an authenticated login it's about an over the top cable alternative with live tv and unlike Peacock and HBO Max YouTube TV isn't a new service this dispute this dispute feels like one more one of the more potentially significant to date involving Roku, given their lack of interest in a subscription-based live TV streaming service. It seems jarring, but Roku keeping the app active as opposed to completely removing it leaves the door open that something will end up getting done. Yeah, so this is the last story of the outro before we get into the picks to click, but um, personally, I I just want a good way to watch. I want I want them to come up with... Some sort of, like, YouTube TV, but for sports, basically. I mean, that that would be the the easiest solution. Like, a way we can watch all of our sports locally, nationally, whatever the hell we feel like watching that night. That's what I want, personally. Um, Like I said, it's just getting harder and harder to watch sports these days without cable. Um, The way I do it, folks, I got to give a shout-out to my parents. My parents are the best. They gave me their cable login, and um, I can just log into apps on uh, my TV, and that's how I'm able to use the Yes app because they have a—they're in New York, obviously, so they have yes, and uh, I'm able to watch the Yes app. Um, it's really nice, and once again, I really thank my parents for it. But um, and it saves me a lot in cable bills. <laughs> but um, I I do wish there was a better way for us to all watch sports, honestly. I, I just wish they're like, cause it's getting harder and harder. YouTube TV took off all their regional sports networks. And then Roku who will, like, a lot of people have Roku. A lot of people have fire sticks, um, but Roku removes YouTube TV. I, I don't know. I, it's just getting hard. Like they're just basically, they want you to pay for cable at this point. They really do. Like, they're, they're This is just a cash grab. They want you to pay for cable and cable is such a ripoff. I hate cable. Honestly, I, I just think cable's a waste of money. And, uh, I know so many people who have cut the cord at this point. It's just, it's not worth it, honestly. No offense to my parents who still have cable. Uh, I hope you don't cut the cord because, honestly, I'm using your cable login, so I hope you don't. But, um, I know so many people who don't have it anymore, and it's just getting harder and harder. Basically, we're either using illegal streaming sites or our parents' cable login. So, yeah, I just wanted to rant about that a little bit. It's, it's, it's not, like, a huge story or anything, but I thought it was interesting just how the struggle, the struggle of watching sports these days is. Uh, so I want to talk about that. All right, that does it for uh, today's outro, folks. Uh, we're gonna wrap up today's episode with picks to click. Um, I got some games for you to watch in uh, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL. We'll talk about all that coming up next in picks to click. Don't miss it. Alright folks, it is time for today's Picks to Click, where I give you a game to watch in Major League Baseball, the NBA, and NHL on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week. We are going to start on Monday in Major League Baseball. Um, Tough couple of uh, games to choose from here, Uh, not a whole lot of good games, but I am going to go with the Dodgers versus the Cubs, that's at 7.40pm Eastern Time. Good pitching matchup in that one. There are two teams that made the expanded playoffs last year. uh, Is Walker Bueller versus Kyle Hendricks. I've said in past episodes, Walker Bueller is basically the ace of the Dodgers at this point, Clayton Kershaw. uh, He's getting a little older, I feel. Um, He's still good, but he's getting a little older. Uh, Kyle Hendricks has had some good seasons as well for the Cubs. He's a good pitcher. Um, That's a good matchup as well. I'm going to go with Dodgers-Cubs, 740 uh, that game is on Monday night, Uh, in the NBA on Monday night. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this game, folks. I I talked to uh, my friends who are Wizards fans. They are all really looking forward to this matchup. It's a big one uh, when it comes to the play-in in in the NBA. It's the Pacers versus the Wizards at 7 o'clock. I believe it is in D.C. Uh, Both of these teams are coming off uh, very interesting games. Uh, Indiana last night, I'm recording this on Sunday, uh on saturday night they won by 57 (laughs) against the oklahoma city thunder the thunder are trash man What what they They have fallen off so bad they are in full rebuild mode indiana crushed them in that game uh and the wizards like i said i watched this game with mike and tim uh on saturday night uh great game uh i know they were very disappointed that they lost but um they they really close i believe it was a one point game to dallas um Back and forth. The Wizards were down by 18 at one point in this game. And then um, they came back. They led at several points in the fourth quarter. But ultimately, Dallas uh, just was able to hold on at the end and win. Great game. But the Wizards are playing great basketball right now. Obviously, I yeah, follow them pretty closely because I cover them for sports on the Hill. But, um, yeah, I, I, um, I rest- I'm i looking forward to this game. I'm going to watch it. You know, I I, I said in the Rangers segment I really don't want to watch that Rangers Capitals game. I'd much rather watch this game between the Pacers and the Wizards. So, um, yeah, that that's pretty much it. When it comes, I, I think this is going to be a good game. Even if they're both fighting for the play and I believe the Pacers are the nine right now. The Wizards are the ten. So this is a big one. This is a big one. We'll see how it goes. Uh, in the NHL, I don't really have a whole lot to say about the NHL. Honestly, um, it's it's Golden Knights versus Wild, Vegas versus Minnesota. Um they're both playoff teams. Mi- Vegas in particular I believe is the best team in uh that division. Um you know I've talked about they've been a success story since they've come into the National Hockey League. And so uh, I expect them to have a decent run in the playoffs. We'll see how they do. Minnesota's got that great rookie. whose name I I forgot once again. But um we'll we'll see how that game goes. I'm not going to watch it. It's on NBC Sports Network, but I'm I'm not going to watch that game honestly. I'm like I said, I'm not really, I'm pretty down on hockey at this point. I think hockey season's over. I think hockey season's done. Um, anyway, let's move on to Tuesday. What have I been saying, folks? It's Yankees, Astros, and everything else the rest of this week for when it comes to Major League Baseball for me. I don't care about anything else in Major League Baseball. I, I've made that very clear. If you listen to the Yankee portion of this episode, I think I made that very clear, how much I am looking forward to this series against the Houston Astros. Yankees Astros. It's Domingo Herman versus Zach Rinky. That's the Tuesday matchup. As I wrote down on this, this sheet of paper I have here with my picks to click, no other games matter. I can't wait. I can't wait for that series. Uh I've already talked about it enough. I don't need to talk about it again. Uh and in the NBA, I'm actually watching the Nets and Bucks play right now um, on my TV. Um it's a pretty good game. Milwaukee's leading uh, in the third quarter right now, 83 to 79. Um they are going to be playing the second of a back-to-back against each other on Tuesday or yeah, Tuesday. Uh, it's on TNT. It's at seven uh, two playoff teams, two of the top three teams in the East. Uh, good matchup. But like, again, you never know who's going to play for the Nets. James Harden is still out. Um, maybe because it's a back-to-back, some players may get rested, but it's on national TV. So they can't rest players. That's the new rule that they instituted this year in the NBA. Um, uh, I think that's a good game to watch. That's the one in the NBA I'd keep my eye on. I think it's at Barkley. It might be in Milwaukee, but um, that's my NBA pick-to-click on that one. Uh, Nets, Bucks, uh, two, two of the best teams in the East for sure. And in the NHL, like I said, I don't care about the NHL anymore, folks. I am done. I looked through the NHL schedule on this day, and every game was trash. Every game was bad. Here's, I'll give you the, uh, not to go back to the schedule update days, but here are the NHL games on Tuesday, May 4th. You got the Islanders versus the Sabres at 7 o'clock, the Bruins versus the Devils at 7 o'clock, the Penguins versus the Flyers at 7 o'clock, Blackhawks versus the Hurricanes at 7 o'clock, and the Oilers versus the Canucks at 10. All of those games are trash. I'm not going to, I'm, don't watch hockey on Tuesday. To watch something else. Watch, watch literally anything but hockey on Tuesday. Every game sucks. You know what? Don't watch literally anything else. Watch Yankees-Astros. That series is going to be fire. If you haven't heard, the Yankees are playing the Astros this weekend. That series is going to be amazing. I can't wait. That's the Tuesday picks to click. On Wednesday, in Major League Baseball, have I mentioned that the Yankees and Astros are playing this week? Watch the Yankees-Astros series, folks. The game is at 7 o'clock that night. Jordan Montgomery on the mound versus uh, some scrub. I don't know. Watch that game. It's at 7 o'clock. In the NBA, I have a couple – one game that I think really stands out from the Knicks perspective, um, the Suns and the Hawks. Uh, The Suns and the Knicks are playing on Friday night at 10 o'clock. So this is a scouting report. I have a feeling the Knicks will be watching this game very closely because they'll be scouting Phoenix, even though they just played them a few days ago. And I think they'll also be watching the Hawks as well because – the Hawks are obviously fighting with them for the top spot in the playoff right now. It's, it's really tight for the play-in. Uh, I'll give you the standings update. Well, actually, I'll give you the standings update tonight, like most up-to-date when I record the Knicks segment, because I still haven't, even though I'm recording picks-to-click right now, I still have not recorded the Knicks segment yet. Um, that's coming tonight after the Knicks game against the Rockets. But uh, de- I have a feeling a lot of Knicks players uh, will be keeping an eye on that game uh, for sure, just because they're playing Phoenix on Friday, and Atlanta's fighting with them for that last playoff spot. Or not the, sorry, the last playoff spot. For the, it's, it's the four seed, basically. The Knicks right now, I believe, are the four seed. So Atlanta's fighting with them for that. It's going to be tough. That game's at 8 o'clock. Uh, check it out. Should be a pretty good game. And then in the NHL, I don't know, Capitals Rangers? Uh, we'll, we'll go with that. I'll, I'll throw my friends who are Capitals fans a bone here and say that game. It's nationally televised. If ticket prices were a little bit cheaper, maybe I would consider going because I'll be in New York. But uh, honestly, I'm going to a baseball game Thursday and Friday. I I, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I don't need to go to a hockey game. Plus, if you've listened to this episode, you know how down I am on hockey. So anyway, Capitals Rangers is your pick-to-click by default on Wednesday night. Anyway, let's go into Thursday. You know what game I'm picking in Major League Baseball for Thursday, folks. I'm going to be there. Cole is pitching. It's Cole Day. And he's going up against his former team who are a bunch of cheating scumbags. Cole versus the Astros. 1 o'clock at the stadium. Watch it. Skip work. This is going to be incredible. I can't wait for this series. I can't wait for this game. I can't wait to be at the stadium. I can't wait to boo the Astros. I can't wait to go with my dad. It's going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome day at the stadium. And I encourage anybody who is free to watch this game. 1 o'clock first pitch. In the NBA, we've got the Lakers versus the Clippers. It's a late game. It's at 10 o'clock. It's on TNT, but I encourage you to check this one out. LeBron is back. Um, this is always a fun rivalry between two very good teams in the Western Conference. They share an arena. They, they generally don't like each other. So um, check out Lakers-Clippers. That's the Thursday game. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the best NBA game of the night, um, even as we get closer to the playoff with both of them making the playoffs. And the NHL, look, can I just – I'm sick of the hockey season at this point, folks. If there's one message you can take away from this this episode is that I am sick of the hockey season. I remember when this hockey season started, Robbie Gross was talking about how – It was going to be, uh, they were going to play each other eight times, and it was going to be fantastic, and there was going to be all these rivalries, and they're all going to hate each other by the end of it. Yeah, I think they hate each other, but I don't think they hate each other because they're angry at each other, Robbie. I think they hate each other because they're sick of each other. I'm, I'm tired of playing the same teams over and over again. That got so stale so fast with this hockey season. I can't wait for the Rangers to start playing some teams from outside the East Division. I can't wait till the divisions go back to normal. This sucks. I'm done with hockey season. Mike drop to end the episode. That is your picks to click, folks, uh, when it comes to today's Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I'm done with hockey. I'm done with hockey. But in case you haven't heard, Yankees-Astros is this week, and I am very fired up about that, folks. I am very very fired up about that series bang bang anyway um that uh, just about does it for today's episode of upon further review with Brian Brennan folks um i thank you for listening to today's episode subscribe on itunes subscribe on spotify follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at ufrwbb follow me on uh, follow me on instagram at BBride 1991 follow me on twitter at bbra1991 uh check out My good friend Charlie Ferrillo's podcast, ostensibly a sports show. He's still crushing it, as is my good friend Michael Edgeley with the DC Who Dat Way. Uh, He's crushing it with the podcast as well. Uh, All the other podcasts I listen to are great, too. Uh, There's too many to name, but you guys are the best. And that just about does it for today's episode, folks. I'll talk to you next time.